Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I want to invite you to grab your Bibles with me and meet me today in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And let's take a look at one verse today that will help us to understand God's method of blessing us financially. You know, it is really true that to walk in the financial covenant with God, you have to do several things right. In other words, you can't just, how can I say, tithe and then throw an offering in every now and then and think that's it. Well, that's very important. We need to be tithers because that's a scriptural commandment. And we need to give offerings when the Holy Spirit would lead us and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and sow seed because the tithe belongs to the Lord. So when you tithe, you're not technically sowing seed. You're giving God what is already His. So it is giving offerings that puts the seed out in your field so that you can have a harvest. But also remember, it's like a package deal. You have to do these various things right so that your life is pleasing to the Lord. And I tell you what, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, uh, is just an absolutely uh, revealing Scripture concerning this. Now look at this, verse 19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and, okay, so there's two parts of it. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. My friends, if you want to walk in the financial covenant with God, you have to live a clean life. You cannot be engaged in the willful, ongoing committing of, of sin and think, well, you know, God, God will forgive me, and uh, I, I want God to bless me, but I really have this thing over on the side. I know it's wrong, but I really like it. I don't want to give it up. My friends, it says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart, say goodbye to iniquity. And that this is very important when it comes to God's financial blessings flowing unhindered into your life. There is a very direct connection. It's undeniable. A connection between God's prosperity and clean living. Now, remember, we're not talking about the kingdom of darkness out there where you can do all kinds of wickedness and do all kinds of sin and still somehow have money. And, you know, they, they applaud you and think, oh, that's great. But we're talking about God's kingdom being washed with your way of your sins, being saved on your way to heaven, wanting to serve God. So we're not talking about sinners that don't know the Lord. We're talking about God and God's people. And there is an undeniable connection between financial prosperity done God's way and clean living. Praise the Lord. Think about it like this just for a moment. Where is the wealthiest place in the universe? Where, if you could get in a car, spaceship, or whatever, and go to the wealthiest place, where is it? It's heaven. Heaven is so wealthy that there's streets not paved on the top with gold. They're pure gold all the way through. 
and mansions and, you know, just the, the wonders of heaven that we think about. You know, certain homes laid with diamonds and, you know, the sapphires and rubies, gates made out of pearl, all, all of these uh, amazing things of opulence beyond anything that the human mind can even really comprehend. So the, the wealthiest place in the universe, did you ever notice, is also the holiest place. Because heaven is absent from all sin, and heaven is governed and ruled by who? God. And God is the holiest of all. And all the angels cry. All of heaven cries, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so there's no sin in God. He's sinless. There's no sin in heaven. And this most holy place is also the wealthiest place. So prosperity, real prosperity, is always connected with clean living. Did you ever notice God's servant Job? In Job chapter 1 verse 1, it actually says concerning Job that he was blameless and upright he shunned evil. He stayed away from evil. Now, he knew what it was, but he just stayed away from it. So Job lived a clean life. He was a blameless man, a righteous man, and he had phenomenal prosperity. Phenomenal prosperity. Well, that's just a coincidence, Pastor Stephen. It's not. When you go through the Bible and you look at God's great servants that had a close walk with him, they were, they were wealthy. They had tremendous wealth. So we see that with Job. Now think about Joseph just for a moment. Joseph is going to rise to be at the right hand of Pharaoh. And really, as we know, Joseph ended up running Egypt. Pharaoh was only higher in name only. Joseph was the one administrating everything. So Joseph had a tremendous destiny, and Joseph came into tremendous prosperity, but Joseph lived a clean life. And that is very, very important for you to come into the fullness of God's plan for your life, which includes heavyweight prosperity. You must depart from iniquity. Now think about Joseph just for a moment. I'm going to read something to you because I think there are some that don't know this about Joseph. I find it fascinating. Genesis 39 verse 6. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. I mean, Joseph ran everything in Potiphar's house. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Don't read over that quick. Think about that just for a moment. The Jewish sages say that Joseph, not that I remember, they don't have a picture of him, right? But uh, this is the oral tradition passed down, of course, also based on God's written word. But they said Joseph was so handsome. He was phenomenally handsome to the point that Pharaoh's, excuse me, not Pharaoh's, but Potiphar's wife, she's lusting after him. And we know, of course, lust is wrong. And she's really trying to get him to sleep with her. But the, the Jewish sages, they'll also teach you that Potiphar's wife, she not only knew that Joseph was a total knockout, but all of her girlfriends, uh, as the story goes, they would come to see her and they were just like, how can you tolerate being around a man like this in your house who is this handsome? He's just, he was off the charts. <laughs> so I'm not justifying Potiphar's wife's behavior, but you have to understand this guy was like carved out of a block of granite and he, he had it. He, it says not only was he handsome, but he had the form. He had the shoulders, 
he had the biceps he had it all and so he was an incredibly handsome man and so Potiphar's wife is constantly trying to seduce him and he says to her how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God well she didn't say oh you're such a holy guy you're right I better back off she just uh, had just totally gone bananas over him she kept pushing and pushing finally uh, kind of set this thing up one day where it's just her and him in the house and she makes a move and he says no and she keeps pressing and uh, you know trying to get him to break down and it says but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside fled and ran outside this thing of clean living this thing of holiness that a lot of people in the church make fun of uh, and really if you make fun of holiness which is in a sense the fear of the Lord you're acting in the position of what the Bible describes as a fool because fools mock the fear of the Lord they think ah, oh, you you know you, you can sin it's okay hey everybody does it stuff like that I'm just trying to tell you that there is a total direct link between clean living and the prosperity that God has for you and you you cannot be wallowing in sin living like a like a pig in the old pig, pig pen thinking well I can do this God understands and uh, I'm, I'm still going to have the best that God has also at the same time no you have to clean up you have to clean up and thank God that Joseph uh, he knew the value of clean living and he didn't damage his destiny Moses the same way it says that he forsook the temporary pleasures of Egypt and you know as the daughter excuse me as the son of the of Pharaoh's daughter he had it all I mean he had access within reach of any flesh type pleasure that you could imagine but it says he forsook those pleasures of Egypt knowing that they were temporary pleasures wow why he went for the for the permanent eternal pleasures so for the the things of God are lasting the things of the devil, they're, they're very temporary. And you need to be able to look at it and say, no, I see, I can see through your temporary. I'm not, I'm not going to go for it. I'm going after God and His eternal pleasures. So that we see these great men, the great women of the Bible, they understood that if you want to get into the best that God has for you, you have to live clean. So they all knew that. Job knew that. Joseph, Moses, David also, who had tremendous wealth, was a man after God's own heart. Abraham also, who really loved the Lord, and he was called a friend of God. And we also know that he was, as it says in Genesis chapter 12, it doesn't only say that he was rich, it actually says he was very rich. And you know livestock cattle he had all the, the cattle all the sheep and all of that goats everything and he had all the silver all of this gold and these are men and women that live clean lives Woo! praise God and so if you really want to get into the good things of God follow the commandments of what the Apostle Paul was teaching Timothy let everyone who names the name of Christ depart totally get away from leave iniquity Woo, praise God. Amen. And again, God's prosperity plan for you, which is really based on a covenant. You can enter into that covenant. Yes, you need the tithe. That's clearly defined in scriptures as a commandment. You need to sow seed because no farmer is ever going to have a harvest if they don't sow seed. So you need to give offerings. Okay, that's the sowing of seed. But you also need to live a clean life. You need to live a clean life. And if there's something in your life that's 
um, you know, displeasing to the Lord. You just need to talk it over with the Lord and say, Lord, I've, I've, I'm just totally separating myself from that thing. I'm going to abandon that thing. I know you've got a good plan for me, and I'm not going to jeopardize it by messing around with this thing on the side. Lord, I let it go. Praise God. So that's why God's prosperity plan eludes some people, because uh, they can even tithe, might, may even sow seed, but they're doing something. That's wrong, and they know it's a violation of God's word. They know it. Maybe culture today will justify it and say it's it's acceptable, but in God's word, it's like that's totally wrong. When God says things are wrong, they're wrong. When God says stealing is wrong, it's wrong. When God says murder is wrong, is wrong. When God lists commandments and says this is wrong, it's wrong. Now, if God says, "Hey, you can eat apples and oranges," well, go ahead, you can eat all of them that you want. But the Lord also said, "Hey, that one over there on that tree, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that." Well, what's the difference? It's all fruit. The difference is the moment God said that's off limits, that's wrong, and then it's wrong. Okay, just by the word of God, and God never changes. If he said that's wrong, it's going to be wrong. So my friends, you need to live clean, clean living. Mm-mm. There is great preservation against evil when you live clean. And the enemy, he will not have inroads into your life because the protective hedge of the blood of Christ is up in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I ask for grace for anybody that would feel entangled or trapped, maybe in some type of bondage or sin. And Lord, they want to please you. Lord, let them break free today in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing touch them now. Command those chains to break in the name of Jesus. You go free now in the name of Jesus. Now serve the Lord and don't ever look back. Keep on running with the Lord. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you. Father, as the tithes and offerings are being brought into your house, we thank you, Father God, that it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus is available to wash, to cleanse away all sin. And at the same time, we thank you that there's grace and, and there's empowerment by your Spirit so that we can live a life that's pleasing to you and say no to the devil. So, Father, we give you all of the praise today. We thank you in Jesus' name that the covenant is functioning full power in the lives of your people. The financial covenant is working in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International PO Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654 is the zip code. Now, if you would like to bring them in online, it's safe and secure. And I know many of you that live in other countries, uh, that's the way that you prefer to do it. It's very understandable. Okay, you can do so anytime. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there, click on that, and they come right into the ministry storehouse. It allows us to continue to preach the gospel all around the world. Now, if you would like to also sow some seed on top of your tithe, then we do have a project, uh, two projects that we're working on at the ministry website. There's a header called projects. You can click on that. You'll see the fence project. You'll also see the hangar project. Both are moving forward beautiful by the grace of God as the fence project phase two will be going up about midway through the month of March. We've already got it on the calendar 
and uh, the money is there to uh, take care of that big, long phase. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We've had some wonderful compliments about the beautiful fence, and uh, neighbors have said, Pastor Stephen, that is an absolutely pro-level-looking fence. Total commercial-looking is absolutely beautiful. So it has been very, very nice to be able to get that first long run up, and the second run is going to be real long also, and it's going to really, um, it's going to really continue to beautify the property. And, of course, fences are also protected. They have many, many benefits. And so we're happy that we're going to be able to go around the entire property. What a blessing. Praise God. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for honoring the Lord as you put him first, which is what you do. You're going to see God continue to lift you higher and higher and higher. And I really believe that you're going to come to love holiness and purity in a greater degree, and you're going to long for it. And you're going to see also how prosperity just climbs higher and higher and higher. Praise God. It's a wonderful thing. You know, I think there really was a time in the church Maybe it wouldn't be expressed, but I think a lot of people thought that really to be wealthy, you've got to have some gray areas. You've got to have some shady areas. It was almost like expected that you'd have to cheat or cut corners or maybe do somebody wrong or, you know, uh, uh, fudge the numbers or stuff like that in order to really get ahead. But I tell you what, in God's kingdom, uh, you know what, and even in the natural world, the more you do those things of cheating and swindling, the, the further and further away you get from God's blessing. And you're only sowing bad, bad seeds. And that's going to bring a bad harvest. So, my friends, we need to really stay on the word. Lean, leave, lean. Uh, excuse me. Lead clean lives. Have integrity and ethics and morality and biblical values that we don't just talk about. We actually live. Praise God. Mm-mm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God's moving. So, Father, we give you praise. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, today I'd like to talk a little bit about standing your ground. Let's take our Bibles today and go to the book of John. John chapter 15. And we're going to talk about standing your ground. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we jump into today's message, let your Holy Spirit quicken the Scriptures. Thank you, Father, for strength. Strength. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, today we're going to begin in John 15. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. And we're going to read through it and just think about all of the promise that's contained in this one statement from Jesus. If you abide in me, and that's not hard to do, if you abide in me, okay, just spend time in His Word, spend time in prayer, get to love the Lord, get close to the Lord, just, you know, hang out at times with the Lord, and that will begin to develop that rich connection of you as a branch being tied into the vine, where all of that life force flowing out of out of that uh branch itself begins to flow into you. I think I got the vine and branch backwards, but you know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. Now, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that also is nothing that, you know, you have to have a physics degree to do. Just spend time with God's word, meditating on it. And my words abide in you. I think one of the best ways to gauge that, if that's really working the way it should, is that when you wake up in the morning, what's on your mind? 
if you have a scripture floating up, maybe something you were meditating on the night before or the entire day before, if you have a scripture beginning to come into your mind as soon as you wake up in the morning, that really is a phenomenal indicator that you are really meditating on the Word of God and that His words are abiding in you. Then he says, when we've done these two things, he says, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Wow, incredible. Now, this is what religious tradition has done immediately, so that when somebody reads this verse, the potential of it is robbed from the hearer. This is what religious tradition, this is how religious tradition would read it. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you only if it's God's will. And I have taught before on this verse that we do need to balance all of God's Word with other Scriptures so that we see it properly. And there are some amazing Scriptures that give a really good insight into prayer and praying in alignment with what God's will for your life would be. But I'm just trying to say here in this verse, it doesn't add anything in there about God's will. There are so many things from the perspective of the New Covenant where we have as individuals such a big part to play according to the outcome of what we want in life. And sometimes it's easy just to say, well, God, if it's your will, let it be done. And you know, that's really kind of passing the responsibility that's our responsibility over on God, and it just doesn't work like that. It's like saying, God, I've got a birthday coming up in 30 days, and you know, I want you to give me a cake. If you really love me, give me a cake. Well, um, I'll be honest, I've never had God bake me a cake yet. You know, uh, usually somebody that has a physical body baked a cake. Uh, Oftentimes when I was young, it was my mother. And uh, I remember one time my grandmother bought me, actually my granddaddy and my grandmother bought me a cake. Still my favorite cake, it was blue, something about the sky blue icing on it. Uh, It kind of made my mind melt in a super happy way. That's why I love North Carolina. It's got that same sky blue cloud color. Woo, love that color. But my friends, the thing is, is that God works through people, and God can also work through you. So if there's something that we can do, we don't want to put it over on God. We want to do our part. Now, ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So he doesn't put strings and attachments. Now, we do understand also that, yes, there's a balance. It needs to be in his will. We don't want to go crazy and start asking for all kinds of bizarre things. You know, Pastor Stephen, I want a nuclear submarine. Uh, that's, that's, come on, you're, you're just being silly. <laughs> You've been watching too many uh, shows on the military channel. Uh, you know, I had this uh, friend one time, that's all he did is watch the military channel. And anytime you talk to him, he's, he's got so much military in him, that's all that ever came out. And uh, sometimes it's just good to turn off the TV for a while and get out and walk around, let your head get cleared. Praise God. And get the word in there. Thank you, Jesus. You will ask me what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So we have this direct scripture. We have others that are in the same vein of God giving you desires, desires of your heart, things that you would really like to see uh, brought into your life because it would make you happy, it would be a blessing for you and your family, and other things that you could also extend that blessing into the lives of others. I tell you what, these are pure things. God will do it. But you have to understand that the devil is going to take it very serious. Anybody that starts getting on the Word and really believes it, the devil's like, oh, that person, unless we do something, uh, they're going to get it. So, he has, he has 
I would call them select category groups of demons that are released and sent out to try to hinder, to try to block, to try to fake out the people of God from actually receiving the promise. Um, I have a minister friend of mine. He actually saw one of these groups of demons, and this was this was a group that Satan sends to people that have been legitimately and genuinely healed by God's healing power. And if a person, and th this is going to happen to almost anybody that gets healed by God's power, um, there could be an exception or two, but it's rare. Usually it's coming. Anybody that's healed by God's power, watch out, usually there's going to come a test afterwards. It could come two days later. It could come six months later. And if you're healed by the power of God, let's say you, you know, you, you had something injured and then God heals you and now everything's back to normal or had a car wreck and your back was all messed up. Now God healed you. Now you're totally fine. Satan has a group of demons that are called lying symptoms. That's, that's their name. They work under that category under that bracket and they're sent out and they carry with them lying symptoms and they try to put it on the healed believer and if the believer doesn't know the word watch this if the believer doesn't stand their ground very likely they're going to receive that garbage from the devil even though yes they have been healed yes walked out of the meeting totally healed mm. I had a uh, a man in a meeting one time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that had severe scoliosis all of his life. He was in his 40s. And I prayed for him. The power of God went into his body. There was a strong flow. I can tell when there's a strong flow, it just went whoosh, right into his body. He fell out on the floor. Not that you have to fall out or anything like that, but he could, he could, he could sense it coming in that he just kind of yielded and let it really come in and it just kind of relaxed fell out on the floor okay so yes again you don't have to fall out but if it helps yeah go ahead and fall down doesn't matter okay so he's laid on the floor he's had scoliosis his entire life he's in his 40s he got up and it had just it had just left him it's just he God had touched him and that's that's one of the anointings the Lord has given me anything for backs and I got that from the man of God who laid hands on me, my spiritual father. He had the same thing. He had crazy back anointing miracles, uh, you know, some of the craziest back miracles people have ever heard of, more so than even the large ministers that have very large healing ministries. When it came to backs, he was, he was like on a different level. Well, he laid hands on me, and so I've seen, the, I've seen crazy back miracles. Anything with scoliosis, car wrecks, car accidents, a supernatural faith comes on me to pray for people that have those needs. And so, uh, by the way, while you're watching this, I will be in Orange County, Southern California, next Sunday. So, if you're, you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I got a back problem, well, get into the meeting, praise the Lord. Because sometimes people come here, I'm not always here in Moravian Falls, I'm maybe out somewhere. And so oftentimes we have things going on that are not on the itinerary. So, it's not always that I'm here, but I will be in Orange County, California next week and I'd be happy to pray for you if you're there and you have you have a need I'll be happy to lay hands on you and pray for you praise the Lord but this man uh, from Albuquerque was totally healed wrote me a testimony Pastor Stephen totally healed and you know and I mean it, it was amazing he said the next day after this phenomenal healing just because uh, he was like in like wow this is what it's like to not have constant pain or have this 
awful curvature and this bizarre stuff with my back. He was so ecstatic. The next day, he went and moved one of those old TVs. Remember those old TVs? Now, today, everything is flat screen. But remember those TVs that, now, see, today, TVs are this, they're that thick. But remember when they were like that thick, weight, you know, weighed 200 pounds? Well, he went and moved one of those televisions all by himself. He picked it up. You know, and uh, kind of had to pick it up kind of high, so it was all back muscle, no leg. And he moved it from one room to another room. And he said, now I know I'm healed. He said, I never, ever could have done anything like that before. And so he was just rejoicing, rejoicing. Uh, but I came back a year later, and he was still healed. But he said, Stephen, i got something to share with you. I said, what? He said, something happened to me six months after you left. You know, I, I was totally pain-free, totally fine. For six months, I was riding that. He, I, I was just riding that, that manifestation with such joy. It's like I got my life back. And um, he said, but after having been healed for six months, he said, I woke up one morning, and it all came back. It rushed on me. He said, my whole back locked up. And I, it was back to the way it used to be. I couldn't move. I couldn't, couldn't even move or anything like that. And I said, well, what, what did you do? He said, he said, oh, no, devil. This is what he said out loud. He said, oh, no, devil. You're not putting that junk back on me. I'm not trying to teach some of you today. And he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, I couldn't even get out of the bed. He said, my back was locked up so bad. So he said, without even being able to use my arms, he said, I rolled off the bed. He said, I don't care if I landed on my face or back, whatever. He said, I'm getting, I'm not going to let this stuff do this to me. He said, I rolled off the bed and flopped on the floor, and I screamed, Satan, take it back. I will not receive it. You're not putting this back on me. Jesus healed me by his stripes. I am healed. You're never putting this on me ever again. <laughs> and I said, so what happened? He said, I fought it. You see, I couldn't tell it was five or ten minutes. He said, I fought it with everything I had. I screamed, I'm healed. I'm healed. Devil, get your filthy symptoms off of me and he said Foom! and then it lifted and then it lifted and it's been gone for years now ever since that was it that was it what was that that was a category called lying symptoms Satan sends them out and they go out all over the world, all, all over America. And if somebody got a real healing, they're, they're going to go. They're going to go. So I'm just saying heads up. And, you know, if you stand your ground, they can't touch you. But this is what some Christians do. That stuff hits them. A lying symptom hits them. And you know what they say? I guess, I guess God didn't heal me after all. It's, I'm hurting all over now. And then, 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 then when they yield like that to it, and don't resist it. It just it rushes back in, and usually it's worse than before. I tried to teach this to a a Baptist pastor friend of mine, and he didn't. I could tell he wasn't really catching it. Um, he had fallen off a roof. Never a good thing to do, of course. He did. Uh, he was a pastor, but he did some gutter work on the side, and so while he was up on top of the roof, kind of leaning down, something slipped, something went loose, and he went with it, went over the side, and really, really damaged his back, and, you know, doesn't have the insurance, or he didn't have any of that to fix it, and then again, some some things like that the doctors can't fix. You've damaged nerves, you've, you've busted some stuff, and so it, there's no easy fix for things like that. So um, he just lived with it for a couple of years, and it was very, very bad at times. But I came to his church, 
he got filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues. His wife got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, began speaking in tongues. Others did, too. He ended up really, he, did, he didn't leave the Baptist church. He's still a Baptist minister. He just calls himself now a Baptocostal, which is totally fine with me. Hallelujah. And he's happy right where he's at, and, and God loves him. God blesses him. Uh, but I prayed for him, and I laid my hand on his back. My hand just, like, went on fire. And that's, that, that anointing comes on me. It feels like fire. And I, I laid my hands on his back. And concerning that air of his back all messed up, I just said, come out in the name of Jesus. And all the pain, everything that was damaged, somehow God instantly healed it. And all the pain, everything was gone. And he, he, said, he said, it felt like you sucked out of me a, something the size of an orange. And like a big navel orange, and it just was pulled right out of my back. And he said, I am completely healed, completely healed. And he stayed like that for uh, about a month. And then the devil hit him, came back. Every, every symptom just came back full blown. What did he do, Pastor Stephen? He didn't do like my friend in Albuquerque. He, uh, my Baptist friend, just kind of like yielded. Uh, well, I. I I know God healed me, but maybe, maybe it wasn't his will for me to stay healed. Maybe he wants me to stay humble, and it just won't rush back on him. <laughs> Rushed back on him. <laughs> As if being sick somehow is going to make you humble. <laughs> no. You can be totally healthy and whole and be just as humble, maybe even more humble than what you w would be if you're in pain. Because usually if you're in pain, you're not in a very humble mood. You're usually in an aggravated, maybe almost irritated mood because you're hurting all the time. So anyhow, yeah, it came back on him, and you know, and usually on the second go around, it's not as easy to minister to them because God had delivered and God had healed, but they never took the time to get the word in. And I tried to share some things with him and uh, to help him, uh, but he was so happy about the miracle. But I tried to tell people now: be ready, be ready to stand your ground. Don't let the enemy take anything from you. Oh, that's good, Pastor Stephen. Praise God. Well, no, no, let that sink in. Let it sink in. He'll try to not only resist, but even if you get a breakthrough, then he can try to maybe say, uh-oh, he's getting real close, try to slow it down or something like that, or maybe later put it back on or something like that. So just be aware of those types of things. It's very, very important. God wants you to have things. God wants to bless you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Uh, that's uh, John chapter 15. That would be verse 10. But let me back up to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Well, the, the enemy may say, well, it's not going to be done. But you have to just stand your ground and say, yes, it is done. Jesus purchased it for me at Calvary. So get out of the way, devil. I'm coming through. Hallelujah. I'm going to possess this blessing, and you're going to have to let go of it. Now, he will put up a fight. He will put up a resistance. And the fight, you have to understand the nature of this fight, because he's been, he's been at this for, you know, at least 6,000 years. He's really, really good at this. So you have to know how to defeat him, how to overcome him. First of all, I want to jump back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and read to you verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Let me say this about the devil. Let me say this about sin. It's dangerous. Don't play with sin. If you play with sin, you're in essence playing with the devil. You really need to stay, <clears throat> excuse me, away from sin, away from the devil. Don't, don't toy with those things. It can really, really hurt you. The bottom line is not only for the devil to hurt you. He actually wants to destroy you. 
He wants to completely take you out. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, that's, that's what I'm after. Jesus, sign me up. I, enlist me in your army, Lord. I'm all for you. I don't want anything with death, destruction, killing, stealing, or anything like that. I don't want anything to do with that. I want life. And Jesus said, all right, you can have it more abundantly. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. It really is that much of a difference. It is light versus darkness. It is life versus death. Praise God. So we choose life. We choose it today. Mm -mm. Woo, praise you, Lord Jesus. So watch out for the devil. Stand your ground against him. Don't give him any room in your life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. When I say that word fight, the good fight of faith, I sense in my spirit, just as I say that, speaking that out over uh, the audience, that there are some who think, Pastor Stephen, that's not my nature. I'm, I'm a sweet person. I'm not like a Davidic warrior with a sword in my hand. I, I'm just more like the person writing the poems and, you know, playing the harp. That's me. I'm not really a fighter. Well, if you really want to experience victory and possess promises, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. If you have a loved one, you have a son, you have a daughter who's gotten away from the Lord, they're not serving God, you're going to have to fight the fight of faith for them. And as you pray and intercede for them and trust God for the restoration of their lives back to Christ, as you lift them up before the Lord, you'll get slammed and you'll get hit with these emotions, these feelings, these things that come from the dark side. Oh, it's too late now. They're gone now. Their mind is shot. You know, they're on drugs or they're, they're off in the perversion. Uh, you might as well just let them go. You'll get hit with all of that. What's going on? You're right in the middle of a fight. You can be in a place where you're standing on God's word, believing for healing by his stripes, I was healed. And you're working the word and you're standing on the promises of God that you're, you understand that Jesus bore your sins and your sicknesses and your diseases upon himself. When he went to the cross, he took it all for you. So you could really be working the word and standing on the word for disease to be driven out of your body. But the enemy will come and he'll say, well, you're saying you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, but you sure don't feel healed, do you? You sure don't look healed, that's for sure. Go look at yourself in the mirror. Look how sick you look. And all of this stuff will just try to hit you, and it'll try to hit your emotions. And sometimes it can feel like a roller coaster ride. Sometimes up, sometimes down. Well, this stuff will hit you. What's going on? The enemy is fighting. He's trying to pummel you. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get you into unbelief. If he can get you into unbelief, he's whipped you. He's got you. If he can get you into doubt, he has defeated you. So you must resist. You must stand. This is one of the reasons why I teach so much on faith. Because without faith, you cannot possess the promises of God, the inheritance that He has for you. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Praise the Lord. So fight the good fight of faith. I think that if you treated this in the spiritual, the way I think some of you would in the natural, you would be a lot better off. In the natural, if somebody came up to your house 
and knocked on the door and you open the door and they say, well, um, we're going to come in and we're going to take all of your stuff. We've pulled up a, a van out here and we're just going to pile our, our van full of all of your possessions. And then uh, we're just going to take them away. You'd be like, no, you're not going to do that. I'm going to lock the door and I'm going to call the police and uh, I will defend this house and I will fight to protect this place and to keep what rightfully belongs to me. And you're not getting it. And you slam the door, lock the deadbolts and you, you know, you do whatever you can do to drive off such an attack. But my friends in the, in the spirit, you have to fight also. You have to say, now, hold on, devil. You're not going to do this to me. I am a blood covenant child of God. And you just can't come in here and take and steal or destroy. You have no right. You have no authority to do that. You have no permission to do that. Praise the Lord. So you just say no, and you resist the devil, and you fight the good fight of faith. Now, let me dig into this a little bit deeper. There's something about contact sports that if you've never been involved with them, they can be fun to watch, but they can be also like, whoo, I never would want to do that. My grandmother, she was a very short lady, uh, maybe maybe five feet tall and probably weighed about 90 pounds. And whenever there was football on, on the TV, like professional football, just looking at it, she didn't like to watch it. But if she walked by and me and my brothers were watching it when we were young and she saw it, she said, whoo, whoo, all those huge giant men all piling on top of each other. I'm surprised they don't kill each other. You know, she couldn't understand it. She would see like a guy run with a football and then he'd get tackled and, you know, you got, 12 guys laying on top of him and that that to her just terrified her so uh and i'm sure if you were you know if you looked at that from her perspective you would probably think yeah i wouldn't want to get run over by a 300 pound person either but the fact of the matter is is that those people in those sports the moment the game starts you can be edgy yeah, you, you, you know, hey, this is a contact sport. Yeah, this is, a, you know, you kind of got to get yourself up for it mentally. But the moment you have that first hit, you're relaxed. The, you know, the quarterback, maybe he's edgy. But, you know, the moment somebody takes him down, you know, you kind of lose that edginess, and then you get settled into the game. The moment you have impact, same way in boxing, same way in martial arts, it may look, may look uh, kind of crazy, and it may be. But uh, the moment you get a few blows on you or a few on them, but particularly on yourself, you just kind of settle and you're just like, okay, I'm in it. And so this, this is what it is. And so it's not that bad. What I'm trying to say is that in the things of spiritual warfare, you have to fight. You have to say, Satan, take your hands off my stuff and I'm coming to take everything that God has promised me. Woo. Praise the Lord. And you push and you fight, you fight the good fight of faith. You're not fighting the devil personally because he's a spirit being. If you punched him, your hand would go right through him. If you had a gun and tried to shoot him, uh, you're going to probably hit somebody else or something else because it goes right through him. He's a spirit being. So you're not fighting him. Not only that, you don't want in a sense to fight a defeated foe technically because Christ defeated him at Calvary through his death, burial, and mighty resurrection, okay? And he has taken the keys 
to death and hell. So Jesus is the one with all authority. So for the believer, Satan and all of the powers of darkness, they are defeated. So what we have to do as believers is we have to enforce that defeat. Now, for the unbelievers, for the world that doesn't know God, the, for the world that's not saved, Satan has authority over them. He can work through them. He can manipulate them. He can do things to them. And those people are separated from God. They don't have a covenant with God of salvation, which is why we need to preach the gospel to them, share the love of God with them, and endeavor to get them to come to Christ so that they can come out of darkness into light and receive eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. But for us, we are covenant children. We are the children of God. And so we can stand our ground against the devil and enforce his defeat. Praise the Lord. Now, we see in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that the Apostle Paul said, having disarmed. Now, the word disarmed means stripped, taking all of the armor off. Take all this, take the sword away, take the spear away, take all of your protective armor away, take your shield away, take your helmet off, take everything off, okay? Having disarmed, completely stripped principalities and powers, he, that would be Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What is it? In the cross. Triumphing over Satan and all the powers of darkness in the cross. He defeated them. He was raised from the dead, and the devil couldn't hold him down. The devil couldn't stop him from coming out of that, out of that grave. He came out anyhow. Praise the Lord. And he is now seated at the right hand of God Almighty. So from our perspective as a new covenant, church, which the word covenant means will. The, the will refers to what Jesus gives us for our inheritance. It's the new will, not the old will. The new will is better. The new covenant is better. So those things included in the will are our inheritance, things that Jesus died so that we can receive them. But the devil, he's going to try to put up resistance, hindrance. But nevertheless, as we fight the good fight of faith and we enforce the devil's defeat, we move forward and we accomplish all that God has called us to do. Don't let the devil pull you off of your faith assignment. He will try to discourage you. He'll try to dissuade you. He'll try to have waves of fear come against your mind. He will try to have waves of doubt come against your mind, which is very important. Have the helmet of salvation on your head to protect your thought life. And also, the high priest under the old covenant, he had the miter upon his head, the crown that said holiness unto the Lord. That meant that your thought processes are in, in line, in agreement with God's word, that your thoughts were thoughts of holiness and purity. Praise God. So we want to have the right type of thinking. And it's very understandable that we have a lot of work to do with our thought life. As Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we are to renew our mind, transform our mind through the Word of God. And we, we thank God that it also says, Paul the Apostle also said, we have the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ is solid. That mind is settled on the Word of God. And we have, as it was said of the prophets of old, the forehead of flint, 
that says we are unwavering, we are unmoving, we are moving forward towards our promised land, and we're taking everything that Jesus said rightfully belongs to us. Health, prosperity, baptism in the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel around the world. We're going to take all that God has laid out for us, peace of mind, whoo, everything, salvation of our loved ones, salvation of our neighbors, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Believing God for revival, believing God for the outpouring of the glory, praise the Lord. Amen. So we press into the Lord to receive his very best into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. I believe in this day that we're living in, it's very important not just to have the talk, a talk of victory, a talk of, hey, we're the triumphant church, but it's not really being, how can I say, it's not really being presented in real experience. We need to have depth. We need to have a real walk with the Lord. Well, yes, we're in the Word. We're standing our ground. We're fighting the good fight of faith, and we're making progress. We're moving forward. And to do that, you have to be a spiritual person. I think in the day today of social media, where everybody can have a voice, but the voice is speaking, may be speaking, but they may not be actually living what they proclaim. They may not be enjoying what they say is the fruit that can be eaten and tasted. But my friends, we need to have the true genuine reality of walking with the Lord and having the real proofs. And God's going to bring that and just keep pushing forward. There'll be a fight of faith involved in it, but you will win every single time in the Lord. Stand your word, back the enemy down, back him down, back him down. Don't ever, ever come off the word. Woo, praise God. I do believe we're going to see more of the type of things that are told about, like the example in Acts chapter 19. I want to read this. Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to drop down to verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now it says unusual miracles. In other words, not everybody was manifesting this. Not all of the apostles are also having this. This was unusual. Paul had gotten into a place of great commitment to the Lord. The anointing was real, real strong upon his life. And it says that unusual miracles were being worked by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and then the evil spirits went out of them. Well, you know, today people read stuff like that, and then they start giving out all these prayer claws and all of this, and, and you know, they give it to sick people, give it to demon-possessed people, and nothing happens. I believe that we need to not just do something because somebody else did something, but that we have our own walk developed in, in, in time, in faith, in strength, and then when there is an anointing for things like that, then you can do things like that. There are times I give out prayer cloths, but I'm also prayerful, uh, prayerful and careful about who I give them out to, because if I'm going to give a prayer cloth to somebody, they need to be in faith, believing that that cloth is anointed, instead of just thinking, well, this is some piece of superstition, let me see if it works, I'll go here and lay it on Sister Sally. Sally's head and just throw it on her head. Nod. It doesn't look like anything's happening. I'm not going to give a prayer cloth to somebody like that. But if somebody understands the anointing, somebody understands the power of the Holy Spirit and that it can come in the cloth and then they can take that and put that on somebody or put it upon themselves, then I'll work with those people 
praise God. But we just don't want to start passing out prayer cloths and uh, you know handing out tissues all the time, uh, just to do it as some kind of a gimmick or something like that. But Paul had the real manifestations. He had the real walk. He had the real proofs. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. You need to walk with the Lord, my friends, be spiritual, have a good prayer life, and work the Word and back the devil down. Because when he knows you mean business, that you know the Word, and you know who you are in Christ, he starts backing off. He starts backing off. But if it's just all talk, it is all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. You may get away from that with that for a while, but I tried to warn people that are trying to be uh, give these false presentations. Hey, don't do that because you keep doing that, you're going to run into something that could uh, maybe even be very embarrassing publicly. And I've had people uh, that did these type of things that I tried to share over on the side. Hey, be careful about this. Oh, ah, no, Pastor Stephen, you don't understand. But then later, two years, boom, got get bit real bad, or maybe a year later, get bit real bad because it is something stupid they shouldn't have been doing, and they should know that they aren't at that place to try to do something like that. But they they oftentimes they get involved in pride, or they maybe see others who have the real thing who paid the real price. But they think, well, we'll just take it and we'll run with it. We'll go do the same thing. And you have to be real careful because if you're playing around and you get into these certain arenas, uh, you're, there's a lot of things that can happen in places like that. So I'm saying walk with the Lord and you'll back the devil down. Praise God. And he can try to give a little test, give a little pushback. Hey, is this guy for real? Hey, is she really mean it? And if you really do, you can push and they'll back, they'll back off. They'll, they'll back down and you keep moving forward. But if not, trust me, they'll call your bluff. The enemy will call your bluff. Because in the spirit realm, th- things, are, uh, things are open in the spirit realm. And you could try in the natural to fake people out by maybe, maybe even saying the right thing. But in the spirit realm, it's all wide open. And the first thing in the spirit realm you notice is, is smell. And if there's fear, evil spirits, they can smell that. If you're saying things and you don't really believe those things, they can pick that up. They can see that through smell. They can also see it through colors that come off of you. So you really want to walk with the Lord. And if you are walking strong, walking strong, that doesn't mean they're going to just get back automatically. They'll try to push. They'll try to test. They'll try to challenge. But they'll know, hey, this person's bringing the heat. This person is on the word. This person's prayed up. They know the name of Jesus. They know the blood of Jesus. They're not playing games. And you'll, you'll just move forward. You'll start going through them. Praise God. And these things will break these, these uh, things that he'll send, these thoughts of discouragement, these thoughts of depression. These things, they'll just break. They'll just break these lying symptoms. I really believe lying symptoms. There's three people that they, that are watching. You've been total hoodwinked by lying symptoms. And there have been times when the power of God touched you and you sense the power of God coming into your body and you begin to move and you begin to receive that anointing. But it wasn't the sun. Even before the sun went down, the enemy had already 
hoodwinked you and put the lying symptoms back on you because you didn't know how to resist and you didn't know how to use the authority that you have in Christ. And he, he, he ripped you off. He actually stole your healing from you. So you have to let those things make you righteously angry and go back into the place of faith and say, Lord Jesus, I'm back here and I'm going to, I'm here to receive my healing. And this time he's never going to get it again. The enemy's never going to take it again. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But our walk has to be genuine, like the Apostle Paul, as compared to the seven sons of Sceva, who are just out there, you know, spouting a bunch of stuff off, really talking about things they didn't even know about. So there are those in the church, they, they have the lingo down, but that's not going to move the enemy. Let me say this, the enemy also, he doesn't care if you know Greek, or if you know Hebrew, or if you're a theologian, that doesn't move him one single bit. Those things don't move him. Now, there is a place to learn Hebrew and Greek, and if you're a theologian, you're going to need to learn those things. If you're going to be a Bible uh, uh, translator or, you know, many of these other positions, then those are very noble uh, professions that you need to study and learn. But I'm just saying that doesn't move the devil. What moves these things out of the way is just a person who knows how to fight the fight of faith will not come off faith, will keep on praying, keep on believing, and just keep on pressing. And that's how you take your promised land. Woo, hallelujah. And it's also how you hold on to what you have. Mm-mm. And you keep it. You keep it, praise the Lord. All right, so I believe faith is rising right now. For those three people where the enemy took that beautiful healing, just tell the Lord right now, Lord, it's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. So let your anointing come back. Praise God. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment because there's an anointing coming for healing right now. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Uh, on the upper part of the back, uh, right back here on the shoulder blade area somebody has a lot of pain back there that's you just lift your hands father I just release your healing anointing now into that body in the name of Jesus I command all of that pain to come out in the name of Jesus praise the Lord there's quite a few people watching you suffer with migraine headaches there's really no reason why you should be having migraines but you're having them that is not God's will God wants you healed and he wants your mind comfortable he wants your head comfortable so father I just rebuke the migraine headaches and their source loose them in the name of Jesus amen thank you father for that anointing feels like warm oil coming over your mind in the name of Jesus praise the Lord there's some of you you've been very fearful about a job maybe uh, you're in a job transition and that's causing a lot of worry and that is that is been a trigger for headaches but the Lord says just be at peace he's with you he's going to walk with you and everything's going to be okay with your job so father we give you praise the Lord's beginning to move inside to some uh, internals right now praise the Lord thank you father God hallelujah I speak to those that need the touch in the liver father touch the liver in the name of Jesus healing anointing right now praise God Somebody's liver, it looks, it, um, you're not old, but the liver, it looks like it's really almost wore out. Lord, touch the liver. Lord, let a miracle happen now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I speak to kidneys right now that you reach your hand back there. Father, in the name of Jesus, to the kidneys, 
be made whole in the name of Jesus. Work in the name of the Lord. Filter and function the way God designed you to. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the curse. You must leave their bodies. Loose them now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your anointing flowing. Right now, the fire's coming in. It's getting real hot. It's getting real hot. Father, we give you praise. Depression and discouragement is lifting off people right now. It's getting completely vaporized by the anointing of God's Spirit. It is disintegrating right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Arthritis is coming off. And somebody, you've had neck problems at the base of your uh of your neck it's been very very painful all around the back back here you is very difficult to turn your head I just loose that in the name of Jesus receive the anointing right now right back into that neck area the upper neck the lower neck right there father in the name of Jesus be healed in Jesus name praise God well somebody's getting their joy back as the Holy Spirit's touching you right now feeling you with fresh oil fresh joy father we give you praise we give you praise thank you father Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's going to be those of you that as you get up early in the morning to pray, while it's still dark outside, you get up real early to pray, you're going to be transported by the Spirit into the enemy's camp. And you're going to see some things that the enemy has stolen, and you're going to be able to go right into that camp and take them. Hallelujah. And they will come right back into your life. Watch it in the name of Jesus. Watch for that anointing. Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Others of you, you're going to be translated into the Spirit to those that are in bondage. You will be translated there lay your hands on that individual that person or persons and release the anointing break the power of Satan over the lives of that person and then after you're done with that assignment the Holy Spirit will take you back you will be transported back translated back in the spirit father we thank you we give you praise hallelujah the Lord's working on sinuses right now receive be healed in the name of Jesus anointing into the nose into the nasal passageways Woo! healing healing down into the chest the lungs in the name of Jesus praise God praise the Lord thank you father God hallelujah Lord we give you praise thank you father in the name of Jesus Glory to God. Now, those of you, as God's healing power is touching you, hold the healing anointing. Hold your healing, praise God. And then later, just praise God for it. And should the enemy try to come and try to take that away and put something yucky back on you, just say, no, Satan, I'm not receiving it. And resist. Resist him just like you would if somebody tried to get into your house and take what rightfully belongs to you say no you cannot take my healing get out get out get out of my body get out of my body rebuke him in the name of Jesus out loud out loud praise God and you have authority he will back down he will leave now all of this works real good it works so smooth when you're prayed up hallelujah don't get all dried out let the anointing be fresh in you have a strong prayer life it causes everything to flourish and come alive it'll cause the word of God to come alive that way when you believe it and when you speak it and decree it it has anointing in it praise the Lord and also when you have to back down the devil and tell him to let go oh yes he'll know that that there's that person's anointed Woo! praise God amen you know when you speak in tongues it absolutely drives the devil nuts it torments him it torments demons and evil spirits. So when you speak in tongues and pray in the spirit, it backs them away. It backs them away, and it caused the soothing, peaceful nature of God 
to flood your entire being. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your anointing, your power, for what you've done. Lord, heal finances also. Heal broken finances. Turn it around. Turn their captivity. Father, we thank you. Do a package job for your people. Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Woo! Suicidal thoughts are being healed right now. And you were wanting me to call that out. You're wanting the Holy Spirit to give that to me. He's giving that to me right now. Suicidal thoughts are being healed right now. You've been tormented by that. You've you wouldn't even want to tell somebody that because you'd be you feel embarrassed about it. But God knows and he sees your pain. He's healing you now. I break that power, that evil power. I break it off of your mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And just claim your healing and stand on it. Should have thought like that tried to come back just to no, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm healed. Now, Father, I want to pray something special. Father, for those that have had those suicidal thoughts and your power is touching them right now, I ask as a, as a sign from heaven that you would allow them to smell mint, that you would allow them to supernaturally smell the fragrance of mint. I ask, oh God, that you would release that now. Now, in the name of Jesus, the fragrance of mint is being manifested by the Holy Spirit. Right now, you're going to be able to smell that. That is a sign from God that you have been completely set free from suicidal thoughts. And God is establishing your mind. Begin to get into the Word more. Begin to walk closer to the Lord. That thing will never, ever touch you again. Hallelujah. And you're smelling the mint right now. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's take communion together. If you're watching today's program and you realize that your life is not right with God, you can get it right today. Okay? So if you don't know Jesus and you want to, pray this prayer after me. Pray it out loud right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sin away. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I give my life to you right now. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Save me now. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. He's heard your prayer. He's answered your prayer. You now belong to Him. Now live for Him and serve Him. There are those who are watching today. You've been away from God. But today, you want to come back. Today's your day. Pray this after me. Say, Jesus, I've been away for too long. Please forgive me. Wash me of my sins. I'm back. And Lord, I'll never leave you. Keep me. Hold me. Thank you, Jesus. I belong to you. I love you. Please forgive me of every sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing me back. Thank you so much. You are my good shepherd. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Welcome back. Welcome back, stranger no more. Woo! Hallelujah. You're back. Praise God. Never to roam or wander again. Hallelujah. Stay close to the Master. All right. Let's take communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it in the name of the Lord. We thank you, Father. This is the flesh and blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus. We receive it with great thanksgiving. Thank you, O oh God. Our life belongs to you 100%. We give you praise. Amen. Let's partake. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus.
its cleansing power, washing away all sin and removing the stain of sin from our conscience so that we are clean completely, spirit, soul, body, our conscience is clean. We thank you, Father God. Your blood washes us whiter than snow. Oh, God, we give you praise that Jesus bore it all for us at Calvary. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, mighty God, for your sacrifice. So, Father, we give you praise. Let us now receive the blood of Jesus. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. My friends, thank you for watching today. If you are in Southern California next week, come on down to Orange County. Check the itinerary on my website, and you'll see the, the meeting is listed, time, and, and so forth. Only one meeting. I believe it's at nighttime. It's going to be a tremendous time in the Spirit. Come on out if you're close by. Or if you're not close by, drive in or fly in. Hallelujah. I look forward to seeing you there, and also look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay blessed. Bye-bye.